Hey, welcome to Afrojack Media. You're watching the Journey Series video podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Mark, co-host of Journeys. I'm a brown man with a black and white beard, black glasses, brown eyes, a reddish shirt, and uh, I'm in front of a painting and a shelf with knickknacks. And I'm Crystal, I'm the other co-host, and uh, I'm a white woman with a black shirt. Uh, I don't know what would you call this kind of shirt. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. But anyway, I'm, uh, I have brown hair, I have brown eyes, and a brown background with a lamp on a tape. And today we're with uh, our guest is from uh, California and she has a tap dance program for people with disabilities. And she's going to tell us uh, more about that. Hi, Victoria. Hi, so great to be here. I'm Victoria Moore. Um, actually, Victoria Moore Turner. I got married a year ago, so I added another ex extra name. Thank you. I believe time flies. It's been a year, but I'm a white woman, long blonde hair, got a bright pink shirt on today, short sleeves and in the background. I've got a mirror and TV. It's, it's a bedroom, <laughs> basically. Dressing behind me. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I have brown eyes and um, that, that's about me in a nutshell there. Physically anyway, <laughs> a lot more yeah. underneath that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about it. Um, well, I mean, it's a it's a journey that I never like. If ten years ago, if you'd said I would be doing what I'm doing, teaching master tap classes to dancers with disability, seniors, I would with my hands and my feet sitting down. I would have said, "You're crazy. That's not going to happen." That's how does that work exactly? I'm not sure. So the journey has been. It's a long one. And uh, I started out just like a, you know, your typical little dancer who had a mother who was a master tap dancer. So kind of really didn't have a choice. It was like tap dances coursing through my veins. <laughs> um, and uh, she was going to keep going until she had a daughter who could dance. So she got me. And uh, I just took all the different kinds of classes. And um, along the way, like when I was a teenager, the the first thing that shifted for me to what I thought was my purpose, which truly down the line didn't end up being my purpose, um, was my mom took me to my first Broadway musical that came through Chicago and it was Chorus Line. And I saw that and I went, that's what I want to do. I want to get on that stage. I want to be on Broadway. That's where I'm headed. So I studied acting and dancing and singing all the best studios, had scholarships everywhere. Went to New York for college at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And then, bam, I went to an audition in New York and got what I thought my purpose was, my dream. So I got my first Broadway show at 20 years old. Hardest audition I've ever had in my entire life. But I did it. I got on tour. And then when that closed, I went back to New York and got my second Broadway show. And they wanted me for, it was 42nd Street, the second one. And they wanted me for the LA company 
to open it at Schubert Theater. And I thought to myself, ooh, Chicago and New York and know nothing but freezing cold winters. <laughs> LA, palm trees, sunshine, ticket please, I'm ready to go. <laughs> like now, uh, I couldn't wait. And I kind of never left. So that was like 1984. And um, I toured as a dancer professional all over the country. I think we did what, 88 cities in one year. It was a lot of traveling and dancing. We went to Japan, we went all over Canada. And I mentioned all this because over this whole course of my career and growing up, never, ever was it a thought process to me about dance and disability. And were there dancers with disabilities? It, it's like that re representation thing. If you, you don't see it, you don't even think about it or know it exists, right? There, there has to be some right. sort of representation. Never did I come across that anywhere. And then I went into, after, you know, the Broadway show stuff and passed and I got married and had my child, I went back to teaching tap and master classes. And I got into teaching for dance uh, conventions all over the country and judging for dance competitions. And there again, in the over 10 years that I did that, never saw dancers with disabilities. And, you know, conventions have hundreds and hundreds of people at them. None of them were disabled. None of them. So I didn't even think about it. It didn't enter my, my brain, my scope of thinking at all. And then my mother and I around 2016-ish started a book that we were going to get her methodology of teaching TAP out there for other dance educators. And so we started on that and we we're working hard on that. And then in 2017, that's, that's when everything changed. Everything, my whole path, my journey, my purpose in one night changed, literally overnight. Um, I went to see a friend of mine, dear friend of mine, perform in a dance concert. And it was, it was an unusual dance concert in that if you wanted to be in the show, you auditioned and didn't matter what your ability was, they would find a place for you. Uh, a piece of choreographer, a choreographer and a piece of choreography for you to perform, which was awesome. It wasn't like, who's the best dancer? It was just like, everybody can dance. And it was a great, wonderful celebration. And in this performance, there was a, like a 20 something year old, beautiful dancer with cerebral palsy. And she did two numbers. She did one that was more lyrical and one that was more contemporary. And one she performed in her chair and the other she did on her hand crutches. And as I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself cause I'm doing a lot of judging of dance competitions. And a lot of times the critiques that the dancers would hear me say would be, you have to, if it's a lyrical contemporary jazz ballet, whatever it is, you have to connect, there's a story there and you have to connect as a dancer, as an artist to that story, right? So the dancing has to come from internally and then externally through the choreography. And if, if you don't do that as an artist, there's a huge disconnect between the audience and the dancer. Yeah. They, 
you have to take whatever that story is it's your job as the dancer and the artist to take us as an audience member on that journey whatever it is it's like two to three minutes we need to be in, in invested in what you're doing right and that's exactly what she did and to the point where I absolutely forgot about her chair. I forgot about her crutches. It was this dancer. She was taking me on this journey and I was going with her and I didn't want it to end. It was like, don't, don't stop. Don't let this, just keep going. This is so beautiful. And it blew my mind truly because I had never actually seen this kind of performance, seen the ability of somebody with a disability dancing a beautiful piece of choreography. I've never seen that before. And it just threw me for a loop. And, and then all every, my whole world, like everything just blossomed like a flower. Like my brain opened up. Like, why have I never seen this before? Because it's not out there because dance is very exclusive or has right. been. It's, it's getting better. We're getting there. It, but yeah, typically there. it's been a very exclusive thing. And so I, this theater was like a 40 minute drive for me to get home. So on the 40 minutes, my brain starts spinning and spinning. And I'm thinking about that beautiful dancer thinking the dance form I have poured my heart and soul into honing my craft and teaching others how to do explore and examine tap and rhythms and all that. I said, she's never going to do it. She's never going to experience it. She can stand, but, you know, with the aid of crutches, but she, she doesn't have the capability of stability and shifting the weights and all that to be able to truly tap dance. And then I was like, okay, then that thought rolled into another thought and it just kind of, it, it, over that 40 minute drive, everything opened up to me like, okay, so what's the problem? The problem is she can't stand. Okay. Well, if she doesn't have to stand. Okay. She doesn't really have full use of her legs. So chair, chair tap dancing with her lower limbs, that's not accessible. So okay, her hands work fine. They were working fine. So what if we taps off the shoes, put them on some sort of glove of some sort and brought the floor up to her lap or on a table that she could start creating rhythms with her hands because tap dancers are percussionists. Right? We're drummers, but with our feet. Well, what if we just bring it back up to the hands? And now we're back to <laughs> the original dance way it was done, like a drummer. And I just thought, okay, we do this, then we can do that. If we do that, she can tap dance. She can dance. If she wants it, she can. Um, and then it started me thinking, why have I not seen dancers with disabilities? And then I thought, of course you have. Of course you have. Remember, his name is Clayton Bates, or he's known as Peg Leg Bates. This is, we're talking about the 1920s. Mm. So there has been dan tap dance and disability. And I went, of course. So I don't know, probably most of people listening to this don't know who Peg Leg Bates is, or was. I think he died in like 19... 98, I believe. Well, he was an African-American that was a tap dancer and 
around, he was around 11 or 12 when this happened. His mom didn't want him picking cotton in the cotton field because it's backbreaking, you know, laborious work. So she put him in the cotton mill and um, he was too young. He was 11 or 12. He was really too young to be working in a mill, but it was better than the cotton field. So Clayton was working in the uh, cotton mill and he was, he had the job of pushing the cotton down into climbing up to the top, pushing the, the cotton down into whatever you call it, the conveyor belt or whatever. Well, on the second day he fell in and he ended up losing a leg and he damaged a, a few fingers. And um, at that time, because we're talking 1920, you know, he couldn't, because he was an African-American man, he couldn't be taken to a white hospital. So he just had it amputated right there at home. And he never thought of it, though, as a horrible, horrible curse or a horrible accident, because his uncle fashioned a, a peg. It's kind of like almost a, like a broom handle almost that he used for the, um, the apparatus for him to walk. Because it was just one leg that was damaged. And he thought it was great. He thought it was great because at that time, you needed as a hoofer, and a hoofer, by the way, is a tap dancer that has exceptionally fast tap work. Um, so as a hoofer, he thought it was great because within two years of the accident, he was dancing, hopping, jumping, leaping with that peg leg. And he got known as peg leg. And he was dancing up a storm and it set him apart from every other hoofer. You had to have a better word, like a gimmick, you know, back then to set yourself apart. Well, that was his thing. Nobody else was like him at all. And he took it and he became so famous. He was on the Ed Sullivan show like 22 times. He was that good. In fact, if all your listeners are listening, go to YouTube, search Pegleg Bates. You're going to see tons of videos and see how remarkable he danced with one leg um so that came into my 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 brain like yes it's been around forever and then i thought of 1959 when gene kelly had his his own tv special he had donald o'connor on one time and they did this shtick like they're they're old they're tired they don't want to get up and dance anymore so they did this phenomenal tap dance sitting in chairs you can find that on youtube too yeah Gene Kelly chair dance. And I thought, okay, well, this can be done. It has been done. And I started to create what I call tap for all, meaning tap is for everyone. And I started creating the tap gloves. And I morphed that book my mom and I were working on into something completely different to educate other dance instructors how to work with dancers with disabilities whether it's cerebral palsy or you're working with seniors with dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, and, and I did the research that went into this book to find that tap dancing is hugely cognitively beneficial. It can actually, it's been studied since like the early 2000s that tap can actually help slow down dementia and Alzheimer's. And it can help um, stroke survivors recover. And it's, it's an amazing dance form because you have to learn. You're not only having to dance, but you have the technical aspect of it because you have to create these rhythms. And by doing that, you're creating these new neural pathways. So anybody with cerebral palsy or all of that, it's so beneficial. But then of course, COVID hit. <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to teach. 
and everything was shut down. And I just, I had just lost my mother the year before. And that was, I shut down before COVID shut down. And, but COVID was a blessing in disguise. It kicked me in the rear and just said, what are you going to do? Just sit around moping and dust that book off, finish it, find a publisher and start making those tap gloves. So that when this, we get on the other side of this COVID thing, which we will eventually, and I thought it's going to happen. I'm going to have the gloves. I'm going to have my program tap for all. And I'm going to start going to assisted living centers and sharing it with them, sharing it with the disability community. And that's exactly what I did. And instead of going back to teaching at dance conventions, when, because Mar- that March 13th was the last dance convention I ever did in 2020 <laughs> and everything shut down, I never went back because I realized that this is my true purpose. I've done all that. I'm going to leave that to the younger group and this is what's needed seniors who used to dance never thought they could dance again are dancing and they're thrilled and the disability community i presented my tap for all program last march at the um the abilities expo at the los angeles convention center and i had a half an hour to pack it all in and i was like y'all thought you were you never met in your wildest dreams imagines that when you came into the abilities expo, you were going to be leaving a tap dancer. But that's what happened. I got them the tap gloves, which are these guys, these little guys here, and you slip them on. And these are real taps from real tap shoes. And you can make all kinds of noises. And I had visually impaired people there. I had people that were in accents. I had all kinds of kids and adults and younger kids there. And they found that this whole world of tap dancing and dance is opening up for them and they can have it and if they want it. And, you know, Gregory Hines was quoted as saying, if you want tap dance, tap dance wants you. Well, it's really true now because you can have it. You don't have to tap, tap dance with your, just your feet. You can do one, both, the other. If you, what I created Tap for All was for complete inclusivity and complete accessibility. Um, is it great fun to work with the tap gloves and these tap boards that I created? Sure, huge fun. But do you have to have them? No, not at all. If you have your hands, you have a lap, a table, you can tap dance. If you don't have hands, you have elbows, you can do that. Whatever your accessibility is, we'll figure it out. That's the point of it, is to give those that want to experience, try it out, the opportunity. And so that's what my mission is to like bridge that gap between, with inclusivity, between the disability community and the non-disability community, dance community, especially, because that's my thing, dance. and it, it's a work in progress. It's, I'm only one person. So I'm trying to get more of me out there by educating more dance instructors on how to work with dancers that have disabilities. And then the other part of it is the dance studios to get them to open their doors. And I've spoken to a bunch of dance studios to find out what, what is the sticking point? 
what is a holdup? And it's mostly fear and lack of lack of knowledge on how to work with somebody with a disability that comes in. And so I'm like, okay, we can we can work with that. You know, those are the two sticking points. Let's figure it out. Everything is figure outable in my book. You know, you know, take um, the problem and find the solution. We'll, we'll, right. We can do it together. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying about, you know, of course, COVID was a really stressful, weird time for everybody. But if anything, it brought out our creativity and our need to build or invent or make something better or build those connections to meet people to give your ideas to to share your, you know, how you do something in, you know, how, how you, you would make it work for your disability. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's just, you know, I wrote about all the different types of disabilities, not all of them, but a good majority of them in the book. And it's to see it in, in right in front of my face actually work. That just, for me, it's just a takes it to a whole nother level. It's like, okay, I knew the studies, you know, said this, this, and this, but to actually see it in front of me and witness it is phenomenal. And working with visually impaired, tap dancing, visually impaired, they're, it, they're amazing. They're so amazing. They're so fine-tuned with their hearing that I can literally show them one time how to do, say, like a shuffle. And they hear the rhythm, they got it. It's just amazing. Even at that expo with that teeny little chunk of time I had, I had a young man over there. I just looked over the corner. I was like, you go. Yes. You're just listening to my cues. I didn't even help him. He was listening to my verbal cues and hearing the, the taps. And he put the two together and he was spot on. It's brilliant. It just blew my mind. So it's, it's been a journey and I'm Pretty much, I'm just, I've been following the breadcrumbs and where they're, I'm listening to where they're leading me. And they're, they have definitely been leading me to help open the door to dance for the disability community and the senior population. Because those two have been, pretty, for the most part, a lot of times left out. It's getting better. It's getting better. But got a long way to go. We talked to a lot of guests that are, you know, writing books or, you know, doing screenplays or writing, you know, doing movies even, right. you know, and in the same respect, you know, with those, you know, disability has been pushed down and hidden and like you said, that guy in the 20s was, was his name. Well, his real name is Clayton Bates, but his nickname okay. was Pegleg Bates. Okay. Um, yeah. People don't know about him. There's like um, a lot of painters and a lot of, of course, a lot of actors and dancers, even, you know, that are just, you would never know. It was just hidden. And that's because it wasn't acceptable or it wasn't cool. <laughs> to have this or that so it wasn't talked about or they didn't disclose it you know 
Right. So you're right, though. In a lot of areas, it's getting better where we're more accepted for who we are and people are not trying to fix us. <laughs> we're not broken. Exactly. You know, um, we are who we are, you know, and we have to be able to use those, you know, show those gifts and people need to see those gifts and be able to make them make them work with you know with what we can do absolutely that's what i tell dance studios and dance studio owners it's like when you when you have somebody well first of all they'll they'll say like well how do we know that they'll even want to come i'm like it's that whole field of dreams you build it they will come if they know that you have built a welcoming accepting accessible space they will come and they'll tell their friends. But when they get into class, don't dumb it down. Give them the choreography as you created it, and they will figure out how to transpose that choreography, if they can transpose that choreography with what they have access to. And let them go from there and let them express, because dance is all about expressiveness and expressing through movement what you verbally can't. And it's so therapeutic for everybody, I, everybody. I think everybody should dance at least a little bit, even if it's in your kitchen, <laughs> some music. The freedom of movement, the freedom of expression is so beneficial and so good for the body, the mind, the soul that it shouldn't be excluded for anybody. It shouldn't be, the, nope, sorry, you, you can't, you can't try that. Of course you can. You just have to get the fear out of the way and you have to, and, and the other thing the dance studios would say to me is like, well, what if they get hurt? I'm like, and I said, well, do you have, um, when you sign up a new student, you have a waiver that you sign for non-disabled dancers that if you get hurt, you're not going to sue the studio. Well, it's the same thing. <laughs> dancers get hurt all the time, all the time. I can attest to it. Um, it's kind like they use that though as a way to say this is another justification why we don't need to you know include them exactly. but in reality it's them saying they're not really human we don't have to treat them the same way we don't have to give them the same form <laughs> you know oh my goodness I know I know this is what I'm trying to little by little change <laughs> and help them to understand because that's just the mindset that they've had forever you know and I never and, and then it's, it's yeah yeah totally it's a generational that's just the way they were taught and you know but it's our responsibility you know to explain and help them understand who we really are exactly exactly and, you know, I have one say, well, what I have, what if I have somebody with a visual impairment come in that wants to dance? I'm like, great. Well, here's, you just need to take a little extra time and show them the dance studio they're going to be in and where the obstacles are. This is where the music is. This is where the bars are. This is where the door is. They learn very, very quickly. <laughs> and once they're familiar with their, their surroundings, it's all, it's all just create from there. And explore and um, yeah, show your artistic side and feel the music. And it's just, 
it can be done. The point is it can be done. And rather than building up excuse, 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 there's answer, answer, answer. You just have to go for it. Our, yeah. And it yeah, just takes during, I'm sorry, go ahead. During during the pre-interview, we talked a bit about this. Maybe you can elaborate. Um a lot of I guess in if we're talking about dance, a lot of uh the world sees, you know, dance as something done by someone on with two legs and who can move a certain way and whatever. And uh what we talked about is um dance not being so much about the physical ability or the physical act of dancing as about what's inside and the deeper uh deeper things that are do you want to talk about that yeah i mean tap dance has always been the happy dance right <laughs> it's the happy dance form whereas you know lyrical and contemporary are more emotional and can be dark and and all that but even tap has an emotionality to it because how Every part of that tap, like every part of this tap, depending on where you hit it, sounds different. You know, you'll get a softer sound here as opposed to the flat head of this tap. And it's communicating with those taps. And you might get a piece of music or it may be acapella, you might have any music at all, but you're conveying a story through either your feet or your hands or whatever it is you're using. And the dynamics of those taps are what is conveying the story. It could be like more rhythmic where it's just pounding into the ground and, or you're bored and chewing it up and spitting it out kind of a thing, or it could be light and effortless. You know, think Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire, just light and effortless. And you could switch back and forth and that's where you create dynamic and shaping and, and all of that. So even though tap is a happy dance form, it de definitely can communicate a lot of different emotions and stories and the pace and the rhythm and the holds it it's all communication and so it doesn't matter whether it's a lyrical piece a jazz piece a hip-hop piece it's it's all a story that's coming from here from your soul and you're giving that audience a piece of you a little piece of you you are communicating a piece of yourself that without words and you're interpreting whatever that story is through your heart your soul and what it means to you and that's the beauty that everyone should be able to experience because it is communication without words right and for those who have trouble with speaking oh my gosh like how vitally beautifully important would that be exactly I feel like we're all here for a purpose. And um, I hardly believe that. And I feel like if other people are holding you down from doing the purpose that you were put here for, mm -hmm. <laughs> are putting obstacles in your way to prevent them from happening. Well, you know, that is a sad 
story and um I, I don't know you know um there definitely has to be some accountability for that you know but at the same time you don't want to point fingers no no you want to help educate and we all want to do better and if the mindset has been for so long like this like in my day being a non-disabled dancer i'm i'm five foot ten very tall when i was growing up dancing in you know the 60s and 70s to be a dancer very tall and i was doing all dance forms and the one dance form i didn't have was point work you know like a ballerina like misty copeland and i was at a ballet studio where i was on scholarship and could take any class i wanted and i knew i wasn't going to be a prima ballerina prima ballerinas were five foot three five foot four maybe on a good day but it was a knowledge base that i needed to learn maybe someday i would have use for it so because i walked into this class now imagine if i'm five ten on point i'm six five there's not a da male dancer on the planet that's going to partner me, <laughs> right? But I was bullied. I was ridiculed. I was made fun of. Like, what am I doing in class? You're not a ballet. You're not a ballerina. You don't look like a ballerina. You're, you're a stork. You're like a giant. You don't belong here. And, you know, I thought about that when I thought about when I had my epiphany with the dance and disability. I went, wow, on a teeny tiny level. This is just a like scratching the surface of what the disability community in dance has had to deal with. The, the shaming and the bullying and like, you don't belong here, all of that. And I just went, wow, okay. It's not on that level at all, but I get it. I get it, I get it. And so that needs to change. And then I also thought about, um, because I was in this space for so long, the competition dance competition world, where there was never, there's, I mean, there are some competitions that, that are for the disability community, but it's a tiny fraction compared to what's out there for the non-disabled community. I mean, a fraction. I mean, how amazing would that be to be able, because it's not about winning trophies. For me as a judge, I always instilled in the dancers that, this is not about the trophy, the shiny trophy or the ribbon or the first place. This is a learning experience for you to be brave enough and confident enough to get up on that stage in front of however many people are out there, hundreds of people, and perform. And mistakes are going to happen. Your tap shoe is going to fall off. Your, your hair ribbon is going to fall out. You're going to slip and fall, whatever it is. But it's how you recover. That's the learning piece mistakes it's live theater it mistakes happen every single time there's a performance but it's how do you recover and that's the learning experience to gain not the shiny ribbon what place you came in and the disability community deserves to have that experience too you know to get up there and have confidence because it translates into everyday life your confidence to get up on that stage and do a number guess what that's going to help you in life you'll have confidence to do other things that may have been a little, you know, scarier or, um, yeah, fear-based fear for you. So little by little, hopefully we can start shifting. It's going to take time, and I'm only one person, and I'm hoping to get more on board, but 
one person, you know, and that's what I want everybody to know. One person can make a difference in small little ways and those small little waves can add up in the long run. And eventually we can start shifting the perspective, shifting the perspective of what dance is, what a dancer looks like, what it means to be a dancer and, and just all of that, just start shifting that perspective. So I, it's, it's an important mission for me. And I know now that that is what all of this previous journey led me to end up at and do what I can while I'm still here as much as I can. Thank you for what you're doing. That's awesome. Thank you. It feeds my soul. I mean, when I, like I got a class later um, at a new place out in Ventura, I can't wait to get in there and show them that, yes, you can still tap dance. You can. Um, And it's, it's just amazing that there is a certain part of the brain that music resides in that it that gets affected by Alzheimer's and dementia at the very end, like it's the last thing to go. So that's why when you play a piece of music, you know the lyrics like that, bam, because your your memory for music is amazing. And so I taught one memory care place. It was my first day there, and I did what I normally do. I asked, you know, has anybody ever tap danced before in their younger years? And I got nothing. It was just silence. And then I got into the little bit, first bit, and I said, okay, now we're going to do a shuffle. I didn't say or show what a shuffle was. And all of a sudden, out of the corner, I hear, bottom. And I said, wait a minute. You must have had tap before because I didn't even show you what a shuffle was. And you just went, da-dum. And she just looked at me. She had no recollection of ever taking a tap class in her life but the memory of that how to do a shuffle and what a shuffle was was still there which was amazing to me that the memory and the brain is that complex so it's just little moments like that that just you know that I can give them back something that they thought they'd never in their life ever do again and at the expo, I had a young girl who, young, not young, she's not that young. She looks younger than she is. She was like 27, um, that she was in a car accident when she was about 16, lost the use of her legs, was a dancer prior to the accident, got it, just happened to come at that little half hour window that I was there doing the tap for all. And she was there with her mom and she went crazy over that. She was in tears because she never thought she would be given that gift of being able to tap dance again ever in her life. She's only 27. I mean, it's, wow, just take something that was that hugely impactful out of her life and just say, nope, you'll never do that again. Nope, that's off the table. Sorry, can't do it. That's so unfair. And we've kept in contact. I actually gifted her a pair of my purple gloves because <laughs> we connected so on such a high level. And um, yeah, so it's special moments like that, that I, it's like, okay, that's why I'm doing this. There's another reason. I, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I had mine, it was, I guess, 24 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing that stayed with me was music. I, you know, right? It was so easy to get 
to remember stuff. And even though I could speak, you know, I couldn't talk at that point, mm -hmm. but I had to relearn everything. <laughs> but the music was still, of course, in my head. And still, I was still, and that's how I learned to talk. They, they, they combined speech therapy and music therapy. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, I have a chapter in my course, the Tap for All Course and Certification, that is titled The Power of Music, because mm -hmm. it is powerful on so many levels. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a gift. And I'm, I'm so happy to be able to shift this and help teach others how to do this and give, Me you know, too. yeah, you. I'm so happy about it. And it just, it feeds my soul. I, it's what I know I was put on this planet to do. I got to do all the fun stuff, performing the Broadway shows. I got my time in the sunshine, but now it's time to give back yep. and, and help a community, two communities that haven't had the access to it. So, yay, <laughs> it's fun. That's it's great fun. here. So, uh, Victoria, tell us how, um, break down for us how it works, how uh, someone, how the TAP program, TAP, uh, sorry, TAP for all program works. And how yeah, well, there's a couple of levels with it. Now, if you're, now, if you're a dance educator, you know, I've got a course that um, has, has been launched. It's not on my website yet, but my website guy's been very busy. <laughs> but that's going to be on there soon for dance educators to learn how to do this program and how to go into assisted living centers and wherever, you know, the disability community is and dance studios and, and all of that. And then for, for those that just want to take a class because I, like I said, I created this going into the dance, the expo last March, realizing that if I had people that said, oh, wow, this is great. Where can I have a, a full class instead of this little teaser half hour that you explained what it was? <laughs> like, I'm going to say, nowhere? No, I can't say that. That's terrible. Like, oh, here's something that you can do, but it's not available to you. That's kind of counterintuitive, right? Yeah. So I thought, okay, what can I do? Well, I just started making half like 35, 45 minute uh online classes, like a subscription membership kind of a thing. And if anybody wants to just try out a little free mini class, they just have to go to my website it's, and just go under online courses. And it's, it's right there. It's free online class. You can do a month a month. You can do a subscription. Um, so you can find and try out a little class. And don't worry about the gloves and the boards. If you want, that's great. But you don't have to have them, like I said earlier. You just add table, hands, elbows, whatever you got. <laughs> um, like I said, it's all accessible, all inclusive. So you can try it out. It's like 14 minutes, little mini class. And if you like it, you want more, it's going to be there. And every month I'm going to add an, more classes. So right now there's two classes in there. They're all beginning levels. It's fun music, um, just beginner tap. So you can get started. And that way, in, if you get in there, you can stop it. You can, you know, go back, you can go forth. Oh, I didn't quite get that. Let me go back again. 
kind of a thing. Um, so it's accessible. So you can have fun and tap dance to some fun music. And then, yeah. And then if you want the boards, I am working like crazy right now, like nonstop trying to crank out these tap gloves. I am hand making them myself. <laughs> it's a lot of work, I just say. It's a heck of a lot of work. I mean, like I said, these are, again, what, the nice thing about these is if you want them, they're fun to work with, but the nice thing is if to wash them, see, it's just Velcro. So you're not gonna destroy your washing machine, <laughs> putting a bag of hammers in there, you know? So, and it's like, it's four sizes. Um, I'm cranking them out as fast as I can. Um, we're gonna pre-order them and, cause they, they don't exist. I mean, can you just take a glove and see there's these holes in the taps? You, you, could you just sew them to a glove? Sure, sure. And you just go online, buy some taps. You can do that too. There's options and you can take it to any, whatever level you want. No gloves, your own gloves, these gloves. Um, you could use a cutting board. You know, you could use just a table. Just don't mark up your table because <laughs> these things will ruin the table. <laughs> um, and just the, the key point is just to start making rhythms and have fun. So there's the online classes and I'm going to be for studios. I'm going to be help going in studio by studio and helping them figure this out. And then I'm going to document it and then, you know, get it out there for more studio owners to go, oh, okay, that's not so hard. I can do that. Change the signage, font, height, you know, ramp, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not rocket science. It can happen. It can happen. So um, my, my website is a place to find everything, which is just victoriamortap.com. Okay. And my book's on there. The gloves will be on there. It says coming soon right now. But And then the, the online class, tap classes are on there. So if anybody wants to check them out, just go there and check them out. And then you, if you got questions, you can just email me, info at victoriamortap.com. It's all on the website. Thanks. There's so much there. Uh, I guess that's that can be applied to lots of things. Oh, absolutely. Um, because you no, know, there's there's so many things in this world where we're told, um, you no, know, if you want to do this thing, you have to do it this way and follow this procedure. Otherwise, it's just not valid or you're not going to be allowed to do it or whatever. Yeah. I don't like following rules. I like making my own rules. <laughs> I'm making my own rules with tap dancing right now. <laughs> well, part of something we're doing is on our website is making an event page and like resource pages also um, where all of our guests were putting their stuff and what they talk about in the different resources or different videos they put out or whatever mm. onto our page that they have resources to go look for. So we'll have to add that. Yeah, that's that's absolutely great. I mean, having a place to have all these different resources is amazing. It's amazing. And it's very helpful it, instead of trying to search here, search there and yeah, you know, just having it in one place is so much nicer. Yeah. So that's great. 
I can't tell you how frustrating and time-consuming it is to have to, because the world is not set up to find what you need to survive (laughs) or for entertainment even. No, and if if you do find it, it's impossible to to explain what you need and stuff. You have to talk to someone in person, and then even still, it's miscommunicated and they misunderstand it. Right. And so, yeah. So, just my thought of always having it all accessible. No, to be able to just click and find it right then, you exactly. know, it's like the rest of the humanity. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just make it easy. Yeah. <laughs> make it accessible and make it easy to find. That's the two mm-hmm. key things, especially nowadays. Right. I mean, back, I mean, maybe that was part of the issue back, you know, when I was growing up, because obviously we didn't even have cell phones or computers yeah. or anything boy am I dating myself yeah I'm old <laughs> <I know. laughs> but you know there was nowhere to find any of that and so you think back with dancers with disabilities how are they going to find dance studios that would accommodate them like it wasn't it didn't exist but yeah. didn't exist so yeah. the new age yeah. yeah, just like that, right? Like you're talking about, you know, for me to find, uh, because I've I've done a lot of research, you know, just trying to figure out, because I would have people come to me and ask me, you know, well, I'm going to do this, but where can I find it? And I would go research and find it was so difficult to find a place. And then I would try to get, actual reviews of you know disabled people right, and right. their you know, experience with it because right. a lot of times companies can put that they're inclusive and all this stuff but you know oftentimes you really need to talk to someone to right. get their right and, yeah I mean some of the, the I interviewed four professional integrated dancers for the book, Tap Dance for All, um, all different disabilities and reasons for disabilities. You know, some born with it, some sudden, some on, uh, on gradual and all that. And they're all in professional dancers and performing. And that would be like Lindy Danley once said that, you know, yes, they, she had called the place ahead of time and said, are you, in, are you accessible? And yes, 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 yes. And they would say yes because they were afraid of the ADA coming in and slapping them with a fine. And she would say, so when you say accessible, let's talk about that. (laughs) Does that mean I'm coming around through the garbage, you know, ramp up the back and performing in theaters with a disability? I said, how was that? Because she like Mary Bertie Fletcher from Cleveland would perform all over the world. And of course the ADA isn't over in Prague or wherever country that she was performing in. And it, they definitely had to make choices on accessibility and getting out there and performing. 
and not being able to get the, the, their chair up the steps onto the stage, you know, that kind of a thing. So dan the dance world, they do not make it easy performing wise for sure, because it's just, it's got so far to go making yeah. things accessible. And also a lot of places in the world. I mean, you're in California, you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of places though, you know, are <laughs> arguably like it's hard to even get to those studios, you know. Right. It starts with being able to get to places right. and having a, a transportation. Right. And without the headache, it should be a basic note, <laughs> right? You know, regardless of what you need to get around, you know, exactly. if that's not solved too, you know, um, it's awesome, you know, that people are making spaces for when they get there <laughs> to do it. But the people higher up have got to be engaged enough and on an understanding empathetic level where they understand that to have people be able to be themselves and make better workers, if you will, right. um, they gotta be able to let go sometimes and dance or sing or whatever they want to do, you know. I mean, I think back to the theaters that I performed in and like San Francisco, the Golden Gate Theater, which was our next stop from L.A. And it was I was I had to go four flights up to my dressing room. It, I mean, some of the and I think about all the theaters the New York theaters there. We're not going to see performers, dancers, actors with disabilities in these shows because they can't even get in the theater to perform to think about in their old buildings so that's a yeah. that's a hurdle we got to get get over because we're not going to see a change in that until they can actually get in the theater <laughs> and then there's a certain segment of people who who uh, don't want to see those old buildings remodeled and revamped because they're old they're historical and they need to be cherished and whatever and God forbid you should install a ramp or something else. Right. It's a dual-edged sword. That's for yeah. sure. That you've, you've got to deal with on both sides. So it's, I don't know what the answer is to that. But I, that's a bigger one than I can answer right now. <laughs> I'm just going to, I got to focus on just the dance community here. But but it's a, an issue for sure. I mean, you think Ali Stokes, who won, you know, a Tony for her role. You know, she was one of the, she like, she broke ground on that, you know, being the first uh, actor, singer with a disability, like winning a Tony, that was amazing. And, but it's like that theater made accommodations clearly. So it can be done. You just have to want to be able, you want to, you need to want to do it and put the effort in. So yeah. we'll see, we'll see that where that goes. Um. One, I was wondering about one thing. It seems like obviously we made a lot of progress as a whole in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, 
but um, I don't know what it was. Uh, like if you go back to the 20s, you mentioned a guy that Peg Leg Bates, mm-hmm. I think it was. Mm-hmm. He was around and doing his thing. And um, I think the president around that time was like Roosevelt, right? Or who was the one with the, in the wheelchair? Oh, that was yeah. Roosevelt. Yeah. Roosevelt? Yeah. yeah. That was around 1920s, wasn't it? Around yeah. there? Uh, 32. I think yeah. a little bit. That would have been in his heyday. Right. Heyday performance. Heyday, yeah. Um, But progress, like, and those people were I don't know, my impression is they weren't really as kept down as we are today in some, in a lot of ways. Well, he right? had, they he were had, allowed to get out there and do their thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not so naive to think they weren't persecuted at all because yeah. they probably were. Absolutely. But, but at the time, if you were a tap dancer, if you were African-American and a tap dancer, you got into places that other African-Americans who were not tap dancers got into, right? I mean, did they still have the rate? So he had the racial thing on top of the disability thing, but being a tap dancer back then, the thirties, the forties, it put you on a different level if you were African-American, it really did. It was like, you were more upper class for sure. Right. So yeah, it it was an interesting time, that's for sure. But he he, I just his attitude was because I, I read a, an interview on him and he just was like, I thought it was great when that accident happened. He's wait a minute, I should probably explain why why I'm saying that. <laughs> I was like, that was is cute. So, but I I've spoken to people who have taken from him back in the day and they just raved about him and how sweet and kind and generous and so talented yeah i'm excited to go look him up and watch this he does this thing where a bell is like if you're standing on one foot and the other foot is up here and you (laughs) hop and you hit you hit your heels together and land he would do a double one of those with the peg leg up here i was like how are you doing (laughs) so he brought a lot of athleticism to to his dancing it was I know it caused him a lot of pain because I've read other interviews that he would go after he'd perform he'd go backstage and whatever and he would just be crying in pain but he loved it so much he wasn't going to give it up yeah yeah so yeah he's a good one go check him out (laughs) I mean 22 times on Ed Sullivan, you had to be good. Why would he be asking you back 22 yeah. times? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anything else, Mark? Yeah, uh, so Victoria just covered <laughs> with this skin where people can find you in the, um, how they can get in touch with you to find out more about the program. Yeah, absolutely. Everything is, on, like I said, my website, www.victoriamoretaft.com dot com and under the tabs at the top you just click the tab and whether it's the book the online courses merchandise whatever um easy 
really easy website to navigate around. And if you want to, if you need to reach out to me, just info at victoriamortap.com. Everything's Victoria Mortap, so it's easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Try to make it easy. Yeah. And uh, where can people get the book? Um, you can get it online. It was, it was also published on uh, McFarland Publishing. And you can get it through that website too. And it's on Amazon. It wasn't on Amazon. I haven't checked on Amazon for a while, but it used to be on Amazon. Don't know if it's still you there. Trying to stay away from him. I know. I I too too. It just it landed. There. I, I noticed yeah. like a bunch of people were buying it and reselling it. I'm like, what is happening here? For like twice as much as the price. I'm like, what are you yeah. all doing? You probably don't even <laughs> like tap dancing. Why are you buying my book? so amazon's a little crazy but yeah so either you can get it right through my website or you can it'll take you right to mcfarland to get it so easy made it easy we like easy um thank you victoria for taking the time to speak with us today thank you for having me i really am honored to thank you and speak with you too and get to speak to your viewers and your listeners. Yeah, it's been awesome. And again, you know, just the work you're doing and helping people feel like they belong somewhere. Not only that, but giving them, showing them purpose, you know, giving them a way to be something, you know. And just experience, you know, try it out. Maybe it's something you'll love. Maybe it's not for you, but at least you have the option now to try it. Right. Right. Yeah. Because that, you know, especially, you know, in the beginning and now over time too, you can feel like you've lost your purpose or you don't have purpose anymore and you just have to be kind of shown those things. Exactly. And feel that excitement again. It, it's yep. it's all about feeding your soul and doing mm-hmm. doing your mind, body, and soul good. And right. if it's tap dancing, here you go. Have at it. Have fun. The more tappers, the tap tap dance world is a very inclusive world. It really is. But now we just need to make the dance form inclusive. And then it's right. like once you're in. Tap dancers love each other. It's it's a wonderful community. So go try it. Go try it. Oh, thank you again. We thank appreciate Hagen's time to spoke with us and our audience. Bye. 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 Bye.